A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Club members, I'm Kate and I'm Ariana, and welcome back to the Nightlight Horror Movie Club. We're an exciting podcast slash internet community where we talk about all things horror, sometimes scary movies, sometimes true crime, sometimes the paranormal, but whatever it is, it's always spoofy. And today, before we get started on the movie of the week, which holy shit, fucking finally, fucking (laughs) finally, I am so glad that we finally are covering Silence of the Lambs. I know you have a lot to say. Oh, my God. I've been listening to this podcast since it came out initially, like, three years ago. And every single time, I'm like, Silence of the Lambs. When (laughs) is it going to happen? I am so happy that it won the poll. It won. It won. It won the Make Us Shit Ourselves poll part two. (laughs) It was between that, Lights Out, which um, was, was a dark horse. People also really wanted Lights Out to win. Oh, it's such a good one. Yeah. So that one I think might, might get a second chance on a second chance poll. And so I, <gasps> I think the yeah. sadness will also get a second chance on a second chance poll. Oh, my God. I know. I watched all of the trailers for everything that people recommended. And the sadness looks so creepy. I was like, oh, damn. Looks fucked up. It's some face horror. And I know me and Kate hate face horror. Oh, that's our weakness. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to not going to go there yet. But Before we get there, we need to talk about our roll call competition. We asked for club members to share photos of themselves on social media or of their pets, of anything that can be considered a club member. And yes, your pets are automatically club members. You can let them know now. And we got a bunch of cool submissions of people with their pets, people wearing club merch, just overall like repping the club. People's pet watermelons. Pet watermelons. (laughs) Guys, y'all aren't ready. Like, these people brought it and we couldn't decide we were going to do three winners, but we could not. We, so there are four. <laughs> yeah, there are four winners. We're going to um, post all of their pictures on social media once I get their permissions. And I think we already have a couple of their votes because the whole point of this roll call competition was not only to see y'all's beautiful faces and your fluffy pets, but also the winner gets to pick a movie f- that automatically gets on one of our next polls which is a very big deal. (laughs) A very big deal. Yeah. So when this episode releases, the poll will probably have been out for a few days, but it'll still be open. So you'll still have probably a couple days to vote. So if you haven't voted yet, you can go vote. But right now we only know three of the four movies because we still haven't gotten an answer from one of the winners because I think she's having a hard time deciding. <laughs> she, she definitely is. Um, she's having a hard time deciding. She's like, wait, so I get to, I really do get to pick? Well, this is the, she said, this is a big deal. I'm like, I know. <laughs> choose wisely (laughs) but we do have some other people some of the other winners have are like they were ready they knew what they wanted yeah yeah absolutely what are those movies can you tell us so i know that jeremy picked the crow which is witchy vibes and i know we're all gonna love that one witchy vibes okay i'm down for a witchy vibe i don't know (laughs) if you heard i I, I like witchy things we like witchy things listen to the craft episode you guys it's fun times and that was jeremy 
like Jeremy, one of our patrons, club officers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like Pykel Myers. Pykel Myers. Pykel Myers. Great name. We're so proud of Pykel Myers for winning this competition. He deserves it. Yeah. So we got the crow on there. I know that Joey also wanted to do... 30 Days of Night. He picked 30 Days of Night. Oh, I've never heard of that one. You haven't heard of 30 Days of Night? No. Well, I haven't seen it, so I don't know why I'm being, (laughs) I don't know why I'm gatekeeping it, but yeah. (laughs) 30 Days of Night. And uh, Joey is also a club treasurer, so our club officers are like, they're they're ready to play. And that's because they get to vote. (laughs) They have been voting. They get to vote on the poll. So if you're new to this podcast, the club officers are our patrons. They're the ones who get to vote on what movie wins. So they have a lot of stake in the game. So we got 30 Days of Night. We've got The Crow. We've got Zoe hasn't figured out what she wants to do. <laughs> so that's it. So TBD. We'll see what the poll ends up being. But so far, so so wacky. I'm into it. What did Antonio want to do? He flip-flopped a little bit. So Antonio ultimately decided on Nope. Oh, Nope. Yes. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm going to make a prediction right now. Nope's going to win. Do you think Nope's going to win? I think Nope's going to win. I think The Crow is going to be a dark horse. I think 30 Days of Night, people are going to want for nostalgia factor and people are going to be, because I have gotten a lot of requests for it. And who knows what curveball Zoe's going to throw at us with her pick. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We'll see. I think it's any man's game right now. You're right. We'll see. But speaking of club officers, we have quite a few new ones that I really want to give a proper shout out to before we talk about the movie. So... We have one, two, three, four, five, six. We have six club officers. Oh my God. New ones. So we've got Zach. He's our new he's our newest vice president. He's from Richmond, Texas. Super excited to have him. Thanks, Zach. We have Trent Cuss. He's also a vice president from Queensland, Australia, mate. Ooh. And I know he hates that I just did that. I'm he's sorry. He's probably like, uh, why? <laughs> Please stop <laughs> doing the accent. Um, Trent, I think about you at work. I know that sounds weird, but ever since I found out you're from Australia, <laughs> because I'll say, um, good eye, like, oh, that was a good, like, good eye, you found it. But then as soon as I say it, I say good eye, and then I say, good eye, mate. Yeah, I was going to so say. So people think I'm setting myself up for a bit, and I'm not. I'm just predictable and dumb. Good eye, mate. <laughs> good eye, mate. So, Trent, thank you so much for your love and your support. And then I don't know if you remember. Someone who you thought was a long lost club member, <gasps> now turned club officer, Jacob McFall, our latest treasurer, the original recommender for the autopsy of Jane Doe, like three <gasps> years <Yes>! ago. <laughs> He's like, finally, you guys. He's <laughs> like, okay, now, now I'll come over into the now, inner circle. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that that's fair. Totally fair. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. We really appreciate you. I hope you guys like, I hope you like the episode. I really do. We liked it. Juliet Farmer, she's our treasurer. She is from Sacramento. She is very liberal, very into cats. And so um, <gasps> she has my Ooh. undying love. I love her deeply. Yes, we approve. We approve. <laughs> Stamp of approval. And then we have two more. We have Final Girl, which what what a baller name that is. Oh, beautiful. I'm jealous I didn't think about that. She's one of our, one of our treasurers. And she's from my neck of the woods. She's from New Orleans. <gasps> Ooh, spooky town. She's from Spoopy Nolens, y'all. And then we have one more very, very important VIP. She's so important. She is the latest vice president. Can we should, should we call her vice president? I think she needs a better title. And that is Julie. <laughs> Ariana knows Julie, don't you? Yes, she's my mom. Julie birthed Ariana <laughs> feet first. True story. True story. <laughs> 
butt first. But was it butt first? Yeah, yeah. Like folded up. <laughs> yeah. How big of a baby were you? Because you're a tall person. How much did you weigh? I was not that big of. I was like a medium sized baby. I don't know how much I fucking weigh. <laughs> you don't know? No, I was just in a weird position. Jules had to undergo a C section. It's a whole thing. But Jesus Christ. <laughs> And now she's supporting your club. <laughs> and now she's a Patreon. <laughs> and we should we should support her. We should make her a Patreon yeah. for giving birth and raising you. She also has a Stay Spoopy merch shirt. Oh, my God. I know. That's so know. precious. She's like one of the first people that bought the merch. And she like wore it to bed oh. when I was visiting her. And I was like, damn, that looks soft. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Dude, they are soft. The merch is soft. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I want you guys to support the club. But the merch is legit cozy. <laughs> Yeah, we're big fans. So yeah, I just wanted to leave the best for last. Sorry, Jules, you are the queen. I cannot explain how happy I was to get this message that you have joined our inner circle. And I can't wait to see what you vote for and what all of our new <laughs> VPs, treasures, everyone, what everyone is voting for, especially in this upcoming Wait. poll. Can I please tell you, Jules was like so confused about what a Patreon was because when my when my brother and my boyfriend became a Patreon, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. You know, she was like, what is this Patreon? I was like, oh, people pay you to make content. She's like, why? She's like, it's free. <laughs> um, Because it's not free to make, Jules. She's like, why are people choosing to pay you? That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. And then she immediately turns around and supports the club. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I have only met her once. She is a full three feet taller than me. She's a tall woman. She's, I, yeah. And I immediately was like, I admire this woman like, a lot. <laughs> Jules got, yeah, she's got some good energy about her. Should we have her on the sure. pod sometime? Jules, come on the pod. We want to know what you think. I don't think the pod could handle. Not ready. I don't think the pod could handle. Yeah, it's a lot. She's a character. <laughs> she's a character. <laughs> I love, I mean, <laughs> she's crazy. You're crazy. That's where I get my crazy streak. Everyone in our club is crazy. We're a bunch of fucking crazies. <laughs> We're just a bunch of weirdos. But yeah, thanks guys for um, supporting the club and for listening this far. We will talk about Silence of the Lambs. Don't worry. We're going to talk about yes. it. Yes. Right now. <gasps> Ooh. So if you haven't heard of Silence of the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs is about Clarice Starling, who is a young FBI trainee at Quantico, who joins forces with the behavioral research unit of the FBI to track down Buffalo Bill, who is a man who is kidnapping and skinning women. <gasps> and to help solve the case, she enlists the services, the help the aid of convicted psychiatrist-turned-cannibalistic serial killer, Hannibal Lecter. The one, the only. Ooh, Hannibal the Cannibal. That's a good trailer, right? That's a good little teasy. Yeah. Little tease. I'll, I'll tell you the one I wrote. It's a little bit shorter than yours, though. Oh, tell me. Well, mine was just like, <laughs> I just kind of... I know, you kind of winged it. It was pretty good. I was like, these are my three characters I want to talk about. <laughs> An FBI agent in training must work with an incarcerated cannibalistic psychiatrist slash murderer yeah. to catch a serial killer who skins his victim. Damn, that's intense. <laughs> that is intense. This movie is intense. Oh my God, I know. This is an intense, like for 1991, like good God. Oh, so good. I'll talk about the cast in just a minute. Maybe I'll talk about them now. But a lot of people turned down roles in this movie yeah. because it was just way too intense for them. Too much. Way too much. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. we, are, we are blessed. We are blessed with this cast. We've got Jodie fucking Foster. Jodie fucking Foster. Jodie fucking Foster. The woman, the myth, the legend, the lesbian, 
We love her. We love Wait, her. Wait, is she lesbian? Yeah. Oh, okay. Openly okay. lesbian. Love it. And now is a director. And oh, I'm obsessed with her. Has she directed anything we know of? Uh, the Beaver. What's that? You haven't seen that movie where I think it's, is it Mel Gibson? Who is it? Who can only talk through like a puppet beaver. What? Yeah, that's a whole thing that we're going to have to talk about. This sounds like a fever dream. This doesn't sound real. That's all Jody. <laughs> Pure Jody. Sounds fake. You're making this up. I am not making this up. I will show you. But (laughs) Jody Foster at the time was like 29. So she so she was already kind of a big deal, to put it lightly. She had just won an Academy Award, like in 1988, for The Accused, which is a legal drama that she did where basically she plays the main character who was raped by a gang of three men and then sets out to not prosecute not only them, but also the bystanders who didn't do anything. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's also, it's one of the first mainstream films to talk about the horrors of rape and the lifelong effects on its victims. So, wow. Yeah, and it was her kind of first breakthrough performance because she was like a child actress, like think Taxi Driver. Yeah. And so that was her first, like, I am doing adult acting now performance. Right. How old was she in Taxi Driver? Do you know? Is she a teenager? 13. Oh, shit. I didn't realize that. I thought she was older. Well, because she... Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't... I'm not watching Taxi Driver because I know she's 13. <laughs> Yikes. Wait. Hold up. While we're talking about Jodie Foster, did you know that some guy watched her in Taxi Driver and then became obsessed with her and started stalking her when she was a college student at Yale? <gasps> and then... He tried to kill President Nixon to get her attention oh my and actually God. wounded Nixon and wounded. I don't think he killed anyone, but I think he like wounded three of his Secret Service. Are you for real right now? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because he watched her in Taxi Driver. I'm like, that's kind of creepy if she was a 13 year old. That is so problematic. I can't even begin. Bless you, Jody. Dude, I know. He like moved to Connecticut to be close to her when she was in Yale. And then he... Like, because she blew him off, he, like, tried to kill the president to, like, get her attention. Fucking ew. Guys, that doesn't work, by the way. Doesn't work. That's not how you get our attention. (laughs) I know. And she handled it so well, too, because, like, even to this day, when people bring it up, she's just, like, she, like, tries to not talk about it. And she tries to, like, you know, say that it was hard for her, but it wasn't as hard for, like, the people who, you know, became wounded. Got hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Damn. I'm sorry. I said President Nixon. I meant Ronald Reagan. They're the same to me. They're the same. <laughs> I'm a millennial, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a millennial, and I we hate both of them for different reasons. They're both white old men. But we hate them both. Yeah. <laughs> God. That makes more sense. Oh. That's Reagan. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Time-wise. Well, yeah, so she had just won an Oscar, and they still didn't want her to be the, in this role. She wanted to be in this role. She wanted to be Clarice Starling. She Because this was a book first, right? Yeah. So Silence of the Lambs was a novel and she read the book and she wanted to be Clarice. And the director was like, the director, um, Jonathan Dem, was like, mm, I'm just not convinced that you can pull it off. <laughs> LOL. What? I feel like this is not as hard to do as an accused... I don't know. It right. just seems... I mean, it, this is a <laughs> difficult role, but obviously she can handle difficult roles for, yeah. for which she has won an Oscar. Um, and since then, a couple more. Anyway, yeah. didn't want Jodie Foster. Wanted Michelle Pfeiffer because he had like had a working relation. Right. Ariana's shaking uh-uh. her head. Like, that's a that's no. a no. Like, if you've seen this movie, I adore Michelle Pfeiffer, but incorrect. Same. He had worked with her on other roles. Let me tell you, the first thing I wrote on my, like, the thing that I take notes on 
literally the first scene is Jodie Foster like being a badass and like running and like climbing and she's doing like an FBI obstacle course. And the first thing I wrote was like, Michelle Pfeiffer would be too wavy for this. Oh, way too wavy. Yeah. She doesn't come off as like a... She's not like a strong female character, like physically strong. You need to be, this is one that needs to be physically strong. Like there are physical requirements for being an FBI agent. I know that yeah. because I looked it up because I'm, I'm like, maybe I should be an FBI agent. Um, Listen, what? I think I'd, I think I'd be good. <laughs> I think you need to be a little bit more emotionally detached than you are. Yeah, even tempered, even <laughs> tempered. Not even even tempered. I just feel like you have a lot of empathy, which I don't know if you can do if you're, you have to compartmentalize. I also don't know if I can do the physical requirements, if I'm being very honest with myself. That too, yeah. I guess that would be... <laughs> Anyone? I mean, it's just training. She does not work out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> She's a 10, but... <laughs> She's a 10, but she cannot do that obstacle course. <laughs> She can do a half a pull-up. <laughs> I sure can. I can do a fun run. But it was Michelle Pfeiffer first, which Michelle Pfeiffer said no. She was like, that's way too dark. I'm not doing that. And then they asked Meg Ryan. <laughs> oh, really? Again, what? <laughs> yeah, and Meg's like, ew, Same no. Same deal. That is not her brand, guys. Like, n- Yeah. We're like, we loved you and you've got mail. Um, would you just real quick... <laughs> Um, oh yeah there's a bathtub no. full of viscera would you just <laughs> yeah he skins he skins them yeah he skins them he's he skins what he puts moths <laughs> in their throat so we we thought of you immediately meg oh my God. and then they asked laura dern who i think could have done it i don't think she could have done it as well as jodie foster and i love laura dern don't get me wrong but this role was made for jodie foster but i don't even think they ended up offering it to her because the studio was like She's going to be way too expensive. She's going to blow our budget. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Well, when did Jurassic Park come out? Like 91, right? 91. That sounds right. If I look up Jurassic Park, I'm going to get like 8 billion different movies. 93. So no, it hadn't come out. Oh, I knew that because it came out whenever the year I was born. Because my coworker was like, yeah, I watched that in theaters. I'm like, oh, you're old. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just kidding. If you watch Jurassic Park in theaters, you're not old. You're fucking cool. And I'm jealous. But um, eventually they were like, okay, our top three didn't work out. So I guess we'll try out this incredibly talented, critically acclaimed actress who has read the book and wants to be in it. You idiots. Doesn't make any sense. You People are crazy. Idiots. So that's Clarice. That's our our protagonist. That is our FBI trainee hunting the madman. And then we have, obviously, we have to talk about Dr. Hannibal Lecter. <gasps> Ooh, Yeah. My favorite. Is he your favorite? I love him. He, You love so him. So much. He's my uh, top five antagonist. Love it. Everything about him. So it's funny that you mention that because the American Film Institute, uh, they do like a listing of like top 100 scariest movies of all time, top horror <gasps> villains, top heroes. And they did a list of the best villains, the top 100 villains. And they did a list of the top 100 heroes of all time. And I think to date, this was in 2006. So not that long ago. Clarice Starling, Jodie Foster, guess how high she got? Mm. Of all time, of all the movies. Is this women or men and women? Men and women. Is this men and women? All right. Well, that changes. Probably, I would say, like between five and ten. Six. You nailed it. Perfect. Six. She was the number six <laughs> greatest hero of all film of all time. And then Hannibal Lecter made a a different list. (laughs) He he was on the villain side. Guess what he made? Top 100. Mm, 
Top five. Number one, baby. Yes. Number one, baby of all time. And I think he deserves it. He scares the shit out of me in this movie. I know. I love him because he's creepy in a very different way than most horror villains. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's, you know, manipulative and so intuitive and so fucking smart. Intelligent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he's also like, doesn't give a fuck. And he just will like cut the shit out of people. And like, oh my God, it's so like, I don't want to give anything away. Obviously spoilers for later, but oh my God, the shit he does is just like fucking terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. So good. It's terrible. There's something for everyone. There's something for everybody. (laughs) But I, one thing that makes me really like Hannibal Lecter and my, I know my mom feels the same way because I remember having this conversation with my mom is we really appreciate how he treats Clarice a lot. Yeah. And we'll talk about it in when we get through the plot. Spoilers, big spoilers. Spoiler warning, go watch this movie if you don't want this 30-year-old movie spoiled. But at the end, whenever we're worried about Clarice, Hannibal is out and about, I'm not worried about her. And she isn't either. She's like, he's not going to fucking come for me. Yeah. That would be rude. Yeah. She's like, he would think it's rude. Yeah. And he would. And I think that interaction is incredible. And that is the reason that they both won Best Oscar for actress, lead actress for Jody, and then lead actor for Hannibal. My number one favorite thing that makes a character likable to me is moral ambiguity. Mm, mm-hmm. It's like, it's like so complex. It's like they'll literally cut the face off a guy, <laughs> but then they'll also be like, you were nice to me, so I'm going to be nice to you. I don't know. It just, it's, it's cool. It's complex. It's, it's real. Quid pro quo, Clarice. Yeah. Exactly. And this I didn't know until I was doing research because, you know, Hannibal Lecter is a fucking icon. He's a legend. But this is not the first Hannibal Lecter movie. Really? No. So the first Hannibal Lecter movie was back in 1986 and it's called Manhunter. And it's based on another one of Thomas Harris's books. So Thomas Harris wrote this, wrote Silence of the Lambs. He also wrote Red Dragon. And then they made a movie based on Red Dragon called Manhunter. It's apparently a very bad movie. (laughs) Oh, really? And then they remade what? They remade Red Dragon? Yes, they did. Yeah, they remade Red Dragon. So yeah, they were like, that's garbage. But no one no one watched (laughs) no one watched Manhunter. It was very, very hyper stylized. People people hated it. And so the so it was basically just panned by the producers, panned by the um, studio. And so whenever they were going to make this movie, the producer who owned the rights to Lecter's character because of Manhunter gave that those rights to Orion, who produced this film, for free. Oh wow! <laughs> Yikes! Ooh, that was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> Because Hannibal Lecter is now like a franchise. Yeah. That bitch is a franchise. I feel like people, I mean, it's in pop culture. You don't, you've never seen this movie. You know his quotes. You know his deal. You know the big parts probably of his character. (laughs) Yeah. It's in pop culture. And also it's in a bunch of movies because they've remade a bunch of movies. There's like a Hannibal series about young Hannibal. Like people can't get enough of this Hannibal. They love him. Yeah. I did try to watch that. I didn't really like it. I, I, I knew what it was. Like, I'm watching. I saw the trailer. I'm like, that's enough. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you? So speaking of Red Dragon, which is the book that Manhunter is based on, it is it, the book that came before Silence of the Lambs. Right. I was going to say it's the prequel. Yeah, right? kind of. Yeah. So have I ever told you this story about reading Red Dragon? It sounds familiar, but tell me anyway. Okay. So 
It wasn't me this time. It was my sister. Thank God. You remember whenever we were talking in our mini episode, we were talking about the the true events behind The Conjuring. Yeah. Great mini episode, you guys. Ariana really did her research. Go listen to it. But I talk about that creepy house I lived in the woods in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. 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 So in that house... Again, there there was no phone service. There was no internet because it's the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. And there were very limited books. It's my uncle's house. And there, were very, there was like certain VHS movies we could watch. I've watched Flubber about 800 times. Oh, I love Flubber. Yeah, and I love it. I, I could watch it 800 <laughs> more times. But then there, there weren't that many books. Like there was like a bookshelf full of books. And one of them was Red Dragon. Mm. <laughs> mm. And we were children. I was probably like 10 at the time, which means my older sister, Sarah, was 13. And we have nothing to do. We're in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi because we would go there in the summers. We would have to not have to. We would stay at this house in the summers. And Sarah read Red Dragon. And I remember her screaming (laughs) in the night because she thought she saw something outside of her window. Oh, God. Which probably like we're in the woods and my mom's like, what are you reading? And she's like, this book I found. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to take that. Oh, my God. <laughs> she read one chapter, one chapter oh, out of that geez. book. And I'd read one paragraph and I was done. Oh, damn. Wait, have you seen the movie? No, I haven't seen it because I had this experience. Yeah. I mean, I was so close to watching it, but I want to know if it's good. I think it's on Netflix. I, w- I would watch it with you. Yeah, like, we I don't watch it together. I'm not going to watch it like on my own. Nick's not going to watch it with me, but I would watch it with you. Why not? Uh, he doesn't do gore very well. And I have a feeling there's a lot of gore based on the one paragraph I read from this book. Yeah. It came okay. out swinging is all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was upsetting. Mm. Mm. Wow. I'll watch it with you, though. Okay. We'll watch it together. I'm excited. Speaking of Hannibal Lecter, um, do you know who they asked to portray Hannibal Lecter before Anthony Hopkins? Sean Connery. Can you imagine Sean Connery? <laughs> Quid pro quo, Clarice. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> not. They're like, we need someone with like a distinct voice for this character. That wouldn't have made any sense. I agree. It would have been totally a different vibe. Cringe. It would definitely have been would not have worked at all. Cringe. Yeah. I just can't like all the lines he delivers. Like thinking of them in a Sean in a, in a Sean Connery accent, like <laughs> completely ruins them. Like no, but he said no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He was like, no, this is too much. That makes sense. Um, Did you see that Anthony Hopkins said that he described his voice as a combination of Truman Capote and Catherine Hepburn? Yeah. Well, so (laughs) he's quoted in a couple of different places for where he got the voice for Hannibal Lecter. And so he's been quoted as like Truman Capote. He's been quoted as Uh, Catherine Hepburn, and I get where people get those, but what he actually said that he got the voice from was from Hal, which is from, God, what movie is that? The Open the Bay Doors, Hal. What is it? 2001 Space Odyssey. Hal. Oh. Oh, I did see that as well. Yes. So that, the voice is him as well as Truman Capote. That one is, that one is correct. But he, he denies Catherine Hepburn, which, oh, I mean, really? if you've heard Catherine Hepburn, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But I get it. But it's, I could see the cadence, though. The ca- I think, yeah, I think the cadence is more Truman Capote and the voice is more Hal. Mm. And the unblinking eyes is entirely his own. <laughs> entirely I know. Own. My God. Yeah. He was like trying to be a reptile, he said. Oh. And would only blink when he was like meaning to blink. Like he would 
keep his eyes open as long as he could and then use his blink like a deliberate blink. Yes. I watched it because the first time I watched it, I noticed like this bitch doesn't blink. And so this time I'm like, does he ever blink on screen? And he does. But it's like when he's done with a sentence and he's looking away. Yeah. It's never in the middle of a thought. Right. When he's talking, he's looking into your soul. Like he's controlling it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the things I liked about this movie, which I didn't notice until this time when I watched it, but how they will constantly have the character who's speaking speak directly into the camera. Yes. Like they did that with her friend. They did that with her boss. They did that with, you know, Hannibal Lecter. They did that with Buffalo Bill. Yeah. To try to make you feel like you're in the movie. But they never do it with Jodie Foster's character because they want you to feel like you're Jodie Foster. They do it with Jodie Foster. No, they always have her looking a little bit above or a little bit to the side oh, of the camera. I didn't notice that. Oh, I mm -hmm. yeah, I, I felt like I was Jodie Foster in this movie, didn't we all? <laughs> you will become Jodie Foster. I in I I I tried to. I looked up the requirements and I can't do it. <laughs> I was like, I gotta run how far? Mm, I'll just be a vet. It's fine. I'm out. I'm out. So Anthony Hopkins was choice was the second choice, which is insane. And whenever the, his agent got the script and he's like, yeah, it's called si something called Silence of the Lambs. And he obviously hadn't read the book. And Hopkins said, is it a children's story? <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope not. Yeah. And then he called his, he read the first 10 pages and then he called his agent back and he said, this is the best part that I've ever read. I <gasps> want it. And he like went to dinner with the director and got the yeah. role. So genius knows genius. Hell yeah. He killed it. Apparently, he won an award for best actor in a leading role yeah, he for did. the shortest screen time ever. Wait, really? How? Really? Yeah. He was only at 24 minutes and 52 seconds of screen time, and he won the Academy Award for best actor. To be considered a lead, that's a lot. It really, really is. Yeah. But I wouldn't consider anyone else a lead actor in this movie, except my next favorite actor that I want to talk about, Ted Levine. <gasps> I know you don't. I know that you don't love him the way that I love him. <laughs> I do love him. I just want to hear your take on things. Well, before you get my take on things, you must pass these riddles three. Just kidding. It's one. Okay. And it's not a riddle. It's a quiz. <laughs> okay. We're talking Buffalo Bill. What three serial killers, IRL serial killers, was Buffalo Bill based on? All right. Two, I think, are pretty straightforward if you're into true crime. One is a little bit tough. Okay. Obviously, Ted Bundy and Ed Gein. Yeah, for sure. Why? Easy ones. Um, Ted Bundy, because of the way that he gets her to go into his car by acting like he's hurt. He has a cast. Ted Bundy literally did that. Yeah, which is the worst. They also kind of do that in Black Phone a little bit, too. Or it's like, oh, I dropped something outside this giant van. Oh, help me pick it up. Smashed over the head, abducted. That's why I don't help anyone. Same. I'm like, don't help men. Don't help men. Oh, don't hell do no. It. And anytime <laughs> I see a woman, I'm like, is there a man around you? That's literally what I do, too. I'm like, who are you working with? Yeah, who are you with? <laughs> I don't trust men. Don't trust them. Uh, <laughs> and like, I have good fucking reason to. I'm talking about the three human serial killers that this one fake one was based uh, on. Yeah. So yeah, Ted Bundy for sure with like how he would go after like young, young, pretty women, young mm -hmm. college age, pretty mm -hmm. women. Yeah. And would have like, you know, a crutch or a cast or drop his books. In the case of this movie, he's he's a man with a cast and he's trying to get a, a couch into a van. And that's how he tricks a girl into getting in the van. 
to help him put his couch up. It's so sad. It's so sad. And he's like, oh, are you a size 14? Oh, that's fucked and up. And she's like, what? And then he just starts beating the shit out of her. It's so scary. With his cast. Yeah. Fucked up. So, yep, Ted Bundy, Hate you get it. a point for Ted Bundy. You get a point for Ed Gein, but explain why. Ed Gein, because I'm pretty sure Ed Gein, like, made furniture out of people's skin, right? He made a lot of things out of people's skin. Yes, he did. <laughs> Don't Google it, guys. Don't Google it. Just trust me. Uh, Lampshades, upholstery oh God, for chairs. Wait, there's pictures of it don't, on the internet? Ariana, Ariana, stop. Like, you really don't want to look. You don't want to look. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Like, I'm out of love for you. I'm sparing you. You don't want to see. Okay. Kate knows me well. She doesn't want me to you, see it. I am. I do know you well, and I know what you can handle, and I don't think <laughs> that you need this. <laughs> so, Are there faces still on it? Because that would fuck yeah, me up. Some of them. Okay, no. Nope. Don't like it. So that's Ed Gein. Correct. So that's point two. Mm. Well done. And the third one's really Damn. hard. The third one, can you give me like a hint? Um, I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with the, the pit in the basement. Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, so his name is Gary M. Heidnick. Mm. Uh, he's a fucking psychopath mm. from Ohio. He is now dead. Thank you for executing a serial killer justice system. And he kidnapped, tortured, and raped six six women. Uh. Kept them in a basement in his house, in a pit in that basement, and killed two of them. And one of them had his baby. Ugh. Oh, I hate when that shit happens. Yeah, when it happens. It happened not that long ago. Wasn't it like last year that we just like rescued three women that were in a pa another basement pit? Nothing makes me more mad than when it's like one of those situations and then it's like she has his kid. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Hey, uh, make sure you guys are voting in local elections. Uh, just saying, especially if you're in a swing state, just saying for reasons that may or may not be related to Roe v. Wade. Fucking ew. Have you seen the movie The Room? Wait, no, Room, not The Room. I've seen both. Room. One okay, is hilarious. Yeah. One is devastating. One is not hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So good. You're talking about the one with Brie Larson. Yes. Where she's held captive with her rape baby. Yes. And she has a kid. In a room. Uh-huh. Yeah. I rented that on Redbox for like, it was me and a friend from vet school, Katie from vet school, who yeah. does not like sad or scary things. And I was like, this got good reviews. Tough one to watch. If you Girls like night. Let's watch Room. <laughs> That's literally what I did. Don't let me pick the no. movie, you guys. I was going to say, she should know better. We went to bed <laughs> upset and sad. I'm sure. I mean, the movie, it's awesome. And it doesn't even focus on the traumatic part. Like, it focuses on, like, them becoming normal people afterwards, which is the saddest part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You get two out of three, so you win. So we'll talk more about Buffalo Bill. Yes, I got a 66%. That's a straight D. Straight up D, girl. <laughs> but the last one's hard. Gary M. Heidnick, who knows that one? That's hard. Yeah, I don't, I've never heard of that person. Uh, you do now, and we'll soon forget him because he's useless and dumb and we hate him. But Ted <laughs> yes. Levine is the actor who also has a very like distinct voice. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I know. I don't want to say sexy because uh, that would be bad, right? <laughs> it's low. It, it's sexy in the right circumstance. Not in the contents of this Not movie. Not in this movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> what else is he in? He's in, I know he's in Monk. <laughs> like as a recurring character or? Yeah, he's a detective or a cop or something. Ooh, I could see that. He's in Monk. He's in the one of the recent Jurassic Worlds. Oh. He's in Shutter Island. Uh, he's Who in, is he in Shutter Island? I don't know. He's in The Hills Have, the Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yeah. He's a, um, I think he's a 
I looked up that too. I think he's a good character in The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, he's not always a, in Monk. He's a good character, and I'm pretty sure in Shutter Island he's a good character. Oh yeah, I could see him being like an authority figure. Uh, he had a um, hard time doing this role. I will say. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. Did you did you read about that? <laughs> I was that? reading about it. Yeah, about how he had to take shots of tequila before doing that scene. That scene we're gonna talk about that, that scene infamous scene girl i got a whole <laughs> yeah. section to talk about that scene if you've seen the movie oh, i'm so excited you know what scene we're talking about i'm gonna get there there's a lot to unpack i'll get there when we get through the plot but don't worry this episode is gonna be so long oh i know it's gonna be so long it's long it's wait. worth it y'all are getting fed ladies and gents yeah y'all are getting fed yeah. but yeah ted levine <laughs> who got this role he scared the shit out of everyone whenever he was auditioning oh really it really freaked them out yeah because he was like channeling the serial killer energy and then he got the part and so he started researching serial killers and like interviewing serial killers he's he was like Oof. doing things that serial killers do not serial killing <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do that. That's illegal. Not killing serially. Not <laughs> killing in a serial manner. But he would like ostracize himself. He would like, like I guess back then you would just read, like get magazines of pornography because that's a thing that serial killers do. And it just like warps your brain. And hmm. so on top of all that, he's trying to get into this mind of this serial killer. And then they're like, yeah, so here's where we're going to go shoot on location for the scenes that were at your character's house. And did you, Ariana, do you know where they shot this movie? It's it's not in Ohio? Some, some most of it's in your neck of the woods. <gasps> oh, dang. Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, it's in Pittsburgh. It's in Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh. And everything was going to be shot around there. And they were like, they were showing him photos of the houses. And they're like, hey, this is going to be where... Um, Buffalo Bill's house might be. And he's looking at the house, Ted Levine is, and he's like, this looks really familiar. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we found this really awful coal mining town that's on the Ohio <laughs> River. And he goes, oh, yeah, is it Bel Air, Ohio? And they're like, yeah. And he says, I grew up in Bel Air. And that house, <laughs> I know what that house is. That's a house next door to my third grade girlfriend. Third grade girlfriend? Shit, you, you remember like imagine yeah. portraying a serial killer and then oh my god you're you're in your like hometown that's so weird full yeah. circle he said he was like <laughs> shaking the whole time that they cuz they immediately did a read through of one of the scripts and they he was just shaking the whole time i feel like that adds to the complexity oh for definitely. sure definitely for sure and he, and he he even said like he's like i don't want to come back to my hometown and like present it as this layer of like serial killers <laughs> But he, oh God. he did end up using a little bit of his Ohio Valley accent, which you can absolutely hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the place that's like right next to the bridge yes, where yes. they go to. OK, yes. I have driven through that town so many times, Shut the fuck actually, up. because when I worked at Ohio State uh -huh. University and then I would drive home, we literally would go across that bridge and through that town, because of the way the highway works, you have to go through that town to get on the next big highway. And my mom was watching this with me because I was visiting her this last weekend and she was like, is that the bridge that we always take? And I'm like, yeah, it is. So like literally I've driven through that town so many times and I'll tell you, it's, it's, they've, it's pretty bleak. <laughs> like, I don't want to be mean, but it's like really bleak. Like they portrayed it well. So I'm just now realizing that I have also driven through that town. Oh really? Yeah. So I just went to a wedding in Ohio 
and I oh my God. drove there. So you drive to like the Appalachian Mountains and you drive through West Virginia, which gets brought up a lot. And I drove through like the Ohio Valley and on the highways. So I'm yeah. pretty sure that I know what bridge this is because I drove over it twice. Yeah. It's the Bellevue Bridge. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. And I just drove over it. Like I can't imagine yeah. living there and then portraying a serial killer that lives there. That's nuts. Yeah. That's intense. But that's Buffalo Bill. And I fucking love him as a character, not his morals. Yeah. And there's yeah. only... Not his morals. Not his morals. I'm against <laughs> his morals. But there's one more actor that I want to give some credit before we get into more of the movie. And that is Jack Crawford. He's the lead agent of the behavioral science unit for the FBI. And um, he's, oh, yeah. he's played by Scott Glenn. He's very famous for a lot of movies, none of which I've seen because honestly, they, I'm not, they look a little boring to me. So it's stuff like The Hunt for Red October and like Secretariat. <laughs> oh, I've seen Secretariat. Have you really? I remember him in it though. Yeah, I think I saw it in theaters when I was little. Yikes. Um, but yeah, he's done, he's done a lot of movies and I just thought he like absolutely nailed this role where he's like this behavioral science guy and he's like handling detectives in local jurisdictions. I just thought he was a really good jack and and i looked up kind of like what he did to get into the role because at first it wasn't him at first it wasn't scott glenn as jack crawford who who is if you haven't seen this movie jack crawford is above jodie foster jack crawford is the head of the yeah. behavioral science unit who pulls jodie crawford in from the student ranks and is like we want you involved in this case we hear you want to be involved in the behavioral science unit hop in and gets her involved in the case. But originally it was actually, do you know who was the first Jack Crawford? No. The first actor? Who? Gene Hackman. Who that? Are you joking right now? No. Oh my God. <laughs> Ariana, that's a... <laughs> Ariana. <laughs> He's in like... What is he in? Every single movie ever. I can't even. He's in all of the movies. Serious Black. You know, we were just talking about Harry Potter because I'm always talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, obviously, we're always talking about. <laughs> he's in everything, and he's a very, very different character in every movie that you've seen him in. But okay, Gene Hackman is, like, a big deal. And he was on board. Like, the production team had him cast, and then he backed out whenever he was reading the script. He's like, this is way too violent. Which, you know, it's not not violent. But he doesn't do any violent stuff. He didn't want to be associated with that script. Wow. So did a lot of actors. A lot, As, as we've said, a lot of actors were like, no. Wow. <laughs> Swerve going around that one. But then Scott Glenn was like, I'll do it. And then in preparation for this <laughs> role, he met with a lead investigator in the FBI who gave him a tour of the Quantico facility in Virginia, which is where most of this movie is set, especially like the FBI training scenes. It's set in Quantico. Yeah. And gave him a tour and then also played for him an audio tape that contained a lot of recordings from these two serial killers who took recordings of themselves raping and torturing a 16-year-old girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That'll scar you. Yeah, it did. And it affected him deeply. He he was like, he said that he was openly weeping the entire time and that oh God. he changed his stance on the death penalty. Oh, wow. Yeah. Based on listening to those recordings. That makes sense. He he went in deep. Just for that alone, I'm like, you get, you get on the pod 
Scott. Like This is what I'm saying, Kate. You need to compartmentalize before you become an FBI agent. Yeah, I cannot. I can I I cannot no do way. this. Kate's like, I can't run a mile. It's like, Kate, you can't listen to these fucking <laughs> recordings. Like, I can train myself to run a mile. I can't train myself to listen to this horrifying <laughs> shit and not become like an alcoholic to deal with it. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. No, not not oh for God. me, not for me. Anyway, we've talked a lot about the actors. But all of this to say... Wait, I have one more I want to talk about. Oh, my God. Tell me. Oh, my God. Brooke Smith. I thought you were going to talk about her. I didn't know you were going to talk about Jack Crawford. Who's that? Brooke Smith is uh, who plays Catherine Martin. Who's Catherine Martin? The girl who gets abducted. (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. 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 I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm so sorry. They say her name like 800 times on purpose because she is the current victim of Buffalo Bill. Yeah, she's the one being kept in his basement. She's in the basement putting lotion on her skin. Yes, she's the skin that gets the lotion. (laughs) But she's an awesome actress. She loses her shit. She's like a strong character, but also very real and portrays yes. fear very well in my opinion she was amazing yeah apparently she had to gain 25 pounds for this role that's a, which i'm like 25 pounds that's not too much yeah um right. that's I, I think i could do that you know what i mean yeah yeah it's not too bad but also she is and i know you don't watch this maybe you used to gray's anatomy Mm-mm. she's erica hahn from gray's anatomy you go girl <laughs> i haven't seen gray's anatomy but i like this girl she plays an awesome lesbian character who is on for, like, multiple seasons. Like, she's not even just, like, a walkthrough. Oh, that's good. So she's not just, like, lupus patient number two. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. She is the love interest of Callie, who's the orthopedic surgeon. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I remember when I watched Grey's Anatomy religiously, I was like, oh, my God, is that the girl from Silence of the Lambs? And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God. Holy shit. That's crazy. (laughs) Mind blown. Because she still has the same face. Yeah, she's got obviously. that cute little face. I I think of her anytime I hear that song, which if you've seen the movie, you know what song I'm talking about. No, not that one. The other one. <laughs> not that one. Not that one. We'll get to that song because it's going to be the outro of this episode. Yeah. One of our club officers already called it. And they were right. But I'm talking about American Girl. Oh, yeah. Same, same, A song that is ruined forever. Oh, my God. I heard that song the other day when I was driving by myself, and I was like, no. Yeah, no. It It plays all the (laughs) fucking time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something, something. Mm -hmm. Take it easy, baby. Make it last, make it last all night. She was. And she's, like, jamming in the car. And it's such a cute scene. And then. Cast over the head. goes down. And it's horrible. Putting the lotion on its skin in the basement. In the pit. It's the worst. So that song is ruined, and I can't believe it still plays on public radio because it was playing— because most people aren't weird like us and watch Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) No, this was—people know this movie. I don't understand how anyone can hear that song and not immediately think of this movie. Like, it's— I know. That song scares me. It was playing at Mm -hmm. work, like, not that—like, three days ago. And I was like, stop it. Skip it. I was like, turn it off. I made them skip it. <laughs> They're all like, okay. <laughs> okay, Dr. Thompson. Yeah, okay, Dr. Thompson. Whatever you need, you freaking diva. And I was like, I don't want to get Buffalo Billed, okay? I don't need this in my life. That song They're is like, ruined. This bitch is crazy. That song went down. Like, that song is like, you know, it's cursed. Goodbye Horses, on the other hand, we'll get there, guys. I told you we'll get to that scene. Be patient. I will get there. So good. But that song went up. <laughs> 
<laughs> that song is is uh, elevated. I will say. I was just casually listening to that song the other day. I was like, this is a great song, actually. <laughs> Me too. And yeah. do you know why I was listening to that song? Why? Because one of our club officers who also just won the poll, Jeremy posted. Jeremy. Yeah. He posted his, um, he shared with me his Spotify playlist. He has a spooky playlist. <gasps> and I shared it on Instagram. I'll share it again. But I was listening to it. <laughs> Jeremy, I hope you're listening. I was listening to it as I was prepping for this episode. And Goodbye Horses is on it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Amazing. And I was like, yes. I was like, <laughs> it like pumped me up. American Girl does not pump me up. American Girl makes me think I'm about to get abducted. That should be on that playlist too, though. No. Just because, just for the few people who understand. I can't. It's so scary. I can't handle it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought her up. I didn't know that she was in Grey's Anatomy. Good. She's a great actress. Yeah. I know. I love her. Um, yeah. Is that all of the cast we have to discuss? That's all. the <laughs> Yeah. After we're like an hour into talking, we haven't even started. Listen, listen. No one said this was going to be a light episode. There's so much to talk There's about. There's a lot to talk about. First of all, this movie's a big deal, you guys. You, I know I already said that this we've, we've got Best Actress over here with Jody. We've got Best Actor over there with Anthony. But, Ariana, I want to know if you know this. This movie won not one, not two, but five Academy Awards. Oh, damn. I'll let you guess what the other ones are. We got Best Actor and Best Actress. Mm, okay. Um, is there like an award for an adaptation? Yes. Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. Which they won. What about like writing? Uh, that would be Adapted Screenplay. Okay. What about directing? Yep. Best Director. That's number four. Hmm. There's an obvious one. I don't know. I don't know. Best picture picture okay best motion picture <laughs> wow this movie got best picture best director best actor best actress and best adapted screenplay those are considered the five major categories of the academy awards which are all a scam but back then i'm, I'm gonna pretend that it wasn't so it's kind of a huge deal because there's only three movies total that have achieved that yeah and i'm sure those other two are not horror movies they are not horror movies correct Correct. And guys, if you play trivia, I hope you listen because this was a trivia question and I got it right because I knew this because I was a fan of Silence of the Lambs. But the three films that have won those five major Academy Awards is Silence of the Lambs, It Happened One Night, which is a Clark Gable movie from 1934, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. So those are the three. And they were nominated for another two. They were nominated for Best Film Editing and Best Sound. So... This movie's a really big deal. And not just like, obviously, the Academy Awards, they're a scam. But the Library of Congress, I swear, we talk about the Library of Congress like every other episode because you guys keep picking <laughs> good fucking movies. Not my problem. Yeah. But this film, you already know, it was selected by the U.S. Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, histor historically, or aesthetically significant. So, and that was <gasps> wow. in 2011. That wasn't like... A reactionary decision. Right. They had thought about it. Right. And they were like, that one. Many years later. Decades later. Decades later. Yeah. And this is one of the movies that they selected for preservation. So that's kind of a big fucking deal. Wow. I believe it. But I just like, I always expect people won't like movies as much as I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah. People real and, and I don't know the critical reception. I know that's your jam. And I do. I try really hard not to look. And I'll find out later. I already know that this one did well. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> do you want to play the box office game? 
Yeah, sure. I'll give you the budget. Oh, God. The budget is $19 million, so not cheap. Okay, yeah. What is the box office? Not too terribly expensive, though. Okay. Um, This is not adjusted for inflation. This is 90s dollars. Got it. Ooh, I don't know. 90? $272 million. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did very well. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Imagine being all those actors and actresses who were like, nah, it's a little gruesome. It's so gruesome. See, that's the thing is like people freak out about The Exorcist. And like, yeah, The Exorcist is crazy. But it's like... This is worse to this me. This is pretty bad. Yeah. It's pretty bad. And when I, whenever I say pretty bad, I don't just mean because it's gory. I also do mean this movie is a little controversial. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So if you think about it, lately there's been some gay male critics and feminist critics who feel that Buffalo Bill's portrayal is not a great portrayal of the gay community or the LGBT community because it's all it's it's all the things that cis white Republicans are worried about. They're like they're deviants, they're psychopaths, they're violent. But except yeah, go ahead. You you already know. I was going to say he's not a transgender or transvestite. They explicitly say that yes. that he comes off like he is, but it's he's not Yes. So they explain that very clearly. And I and to be fair, if you are trans and you take umbrage with this movie, I'm not going to fault you for it. I really am not because we don't have enough positive trans characters in movies. Yeah. Definitely not in 1991. But yeah, basically, they, they don't they don't make Buffalo Bill's sexual orientation explicitly stated. But Lecter himself, who is a psychiatrist and is doing like a like a profile on Buffalo Bill for the FBI, expressively states that he is not a real transsexual, that he is not gay, that he covets, and he just wants to be something that is entirely different from himself. And I have a really good mm -hmm. quote from Ted Levine, who's the actor who plays Buffalo Bill. And he says, Gum, who's the name of the, his actual human name, the actual character's name is Gum. Uh, he wanted to be a woman, not in the sense of being transsexual. He wanted to possess the female godhead, the power he perceives women having. He wanted to be his own woman because he wasn't having sex with his victims. He was simply consuming them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Deep. That's there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. So <laughs> Ted Levine had a bad time prepping for this movie is all I'm going to oh, say. I'm sure. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I mean, I agree. I think that they could have done a little bit more with trying to explicitly show that he is not trans. Like, I feel like yes. it was said. But honestly, this is probably like the I don't even know, fifth or sixth time I've seen this movie. And up to this point, I did not remember that specific detail until I was like legit listening for it. I don't think they made a big enough deal about it. Right. Because that's what people remember about this movie is not yeah. this, you know, this heavy dialogue interaction of being like, oh, by the way, he's not transsexual. Like, it's much more complicated than that. That's not what people were movie. People were pe people remember that scene. <laughs> yep. They remember that scene. You're right. That I'm not going to talk about yet. Be patient, club members. Be patient. I will talk about it. <laughs> not yet. You're not ready. First, <laughs> we have to talk about the movie genre, the film genre. Ooh. You already know what it is. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. I got two in case you guessed my first one, which you already did. I've got two. I've got two as well, but I know what yours is. And it's a third what is one. it? Ready? Face horror. Yes, it's face horror. <laughs> this is face horror. This is peak 
phase horror. So Ariana, explain phase horror to our <laughs> listeners. Oh God. Okay. So me and Kate have this specific fear of this trope in horror movies where they'll like make the mouth really big or mm-hmm. they'll just like distort someone's face or some character's face and it'll look really fucking creepy. And that's like me and Kate, like we can't handle that. It does something to our brains. Yeah. My brain breaks it for breaks. sure. So we call that face horror, but this movie's different because obviously there's a scene where a face gets cut off. And worn by another face, like a mask. And worn by another face. So yeah, face horror is number one. I had a backup, which is lotion horror. Not as good. Lotion horror, that's a but good one. But it does like, okay. I. so I'm very vigilant about my nighttime routine. Got to keep my... Got to keep my youthful face. And after <laughs> watching this movie and doing like my nighttime skincare, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> it rubs the lotion, it puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> Nick like comes in. You're like, he fucking did. He did do that because he's a weirdo. He the other day he can't. I was hanging out with my sisters. He comes up and he just says, I have to return some videotapes and leaves. <laughs> That is the best fucking shit. I love He's that. He's a psychopath. I love him. He scares <laughs> me. But yeah, I think face horror, like done, right? Like face horror. That's a good one. I have a couple. Oh, tell me. All right. This one's a good one. Ready? I'm ready. Toxic masculinity horror. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. 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 Because Silence of the Lambs is like, okay, so we have two serial killers. One's going to eat you and cut off your face. The other one's going to skin you and um, wear your skin as a suit but we need more fear and Mm -hmm. so now we're going to have a female protagonist and she's going to be constantly surrounded by men that are hitting on her and or making her feel stupid Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a whole nother layer of something you have to deal with as a woman watching us and it makes you uncomfortable women just they have it too easy so they just really wanted to (laughs) They wanted to make it worse. For real. Like, if you, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Men, but I fucking love that movie. We're, don't but talk anyway, about it too much because I haven't spoken <laughs> to you about it yet. I won't, spo- I won't spoil it, but there are so many scenes that are similar from that movie and this movie in the same, used in yes. the same way. Like, yes. to make women viewers uncomfortable. And it's hilarious, but. It's like, LOL, but actually that's the thing. Like, if you think about if this were a male you know, protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would have changed because there would have been no women in this movie, basically. But it would have probably not really changed how things went. But the fact that there was a woman, they like, yeah, would have literally had to add so much shit. How did it change? I don't think that Hannibal Lecter would have divulged anything to anyone other than someone like Clarice Starling. Why, though? Uh, because all of the men in the FBI are exactly the fucking same and they've been trying the same shit and getting the same results. Kate, not all men. Oh, fuck (laughs) you. Oh my God. (laughs) Fucking gross. Sometimes women are better for the job. Like get over it. Like that's how it is. And Clarice was better for this job. Yeah. But they, they have the moment that and we'll get to it in the plot. They have like the whole altercation, the whole divide between her and the man who runs the prison that Hannibal Lecter is in, which is fucking gross. And I made Nick watch it twice. Yeah. I was like, look at it. Yeah. <laughs> look at it. And then Ugh. you have the softer like affront to women, which is whenever her supervisor, what's his name? Jack Crawford, Jack Crawford, the head of the behavioral science unit, whenever he's trying to, he's playing up the boys boy angle to get local police to let go. Yeah. And he's like, well, we don't want to talk about this in front of a woman, in front of the fairer sex. Like, this is, you know, a violent crime. <laughs> yeah. The fairer 
sex. Fuck she's a you. fucking FBI agent. Yeah, she's an FBI like, agent. Like, go fuck give yourself. Me a break. And and yeah, she's a student, which makes it even worse. And then and he brings it up later in the helicopter. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry I said all that stuff. You, or I hope you're not upset about me, you know, playing up the boys' boy angle. You know, I was just trying to get rid of the the cops. And she's like, it matters. Yeah, the cops are looking at you for how to act. And that was a room full of 20 cops. So it matters what you just did. Yeah. And he goes, fair point. For that reason alone. Yeah. Like she didn't seem upset because he did that. She seemed upset because it dictated how other men are going to continue to treat her. Because then they all the men are looking at her. Yeah. I think it was so crazy how like when I first saw this, like I noticed all of those things, but I never thought that that it was intentional as it was, but Mm -hmm. like the scene where she's like right at the beginning where she's riding the elevator and she's like a full like two feet shorter than all the guys in the elevator. I was like, okay, like this is very intentional. Like they are doing this on purpose. Oh, yes. And I appreciate it as like a five foot tall woman who's (laughs) busting into this man's world. It's hard and men don't see the challenges that we have to overcome just to do our fucking job that we're really fucking good at. Yeah. And it's annoying. And I think this movie handled it well. I mean, it's you have to be that much better. And I'll talk about it when we get there. But there's a man in authority hitting on her that is very, very inappropriate in the workplace. And it's obviously gross in his handle. And she handles it. And then there's another one where a guy is asking her out on a work assignment, but it's fucking adorable. And men, if you don't know the difference, go watch this movie. It's very obvious. But it's not adorable because it's like, leave her alone, please. It is like, leave her alone, please. But it's also, he's respectful of her. But also like, leave her alone. Just let her do her job. Stop asking her out. That's how I feel about it. I And that's valid. That's totally valid. I just really liked that guy. <laughs> and I think they would have made a cute couple. I agree. But she's just trying to get her fucking work done. Her response to it, whenever the first guy is like gross and like pushy and like, oh, yeah, of course they sent you here to talk to Hannibal Lecter because you're like a hot young girl versus this other guy who's just like, do FBI agents like Chinese food? No. Give her a break. I don't care. (laughs) Agree to disagree. I love that guy. (laughs) I love that guy. He's adorable. And she does too. The amount of tact that it takes to like exist in that environment. Like she handles all those situations like infinitely better than I would have. <laughs> oh, well, no, you, you, with all due respect, Ariana, you would not have been invited to interview Hannibal Lecter. There's not a chance in hell. Yeah. They would have been like, keep this bitch away. Bro. I would have had a meltdown. They would have been like, that's the corridor you have to walk down. I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> I would have been like, watch me do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm going to go down there and tell him off. (laughs) Exactly. And he would have read you like a book, Ariana. He definitely would have, yeah. Well, I guess we should probably talk about the movie, right? Yeah. Who was today's um, episode recommended by? Oh, my God. We haven't given her a shout out. We have to give her a shout out. Deepest apologies. Our VP, Giselle Riviera. We love her. She recommended this movie. And she is the only person. I went back through all of my archives. Yes, I keep track of that stuff, you guys. I keep track of your recommendations. She's the only one other than Ariana to have recommended this movie, which is insane. That's insane. Wait, I don't remember recommending this movie. Was that like back in the day? Yeah, back in the day. It was was like a text. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, it was like a, <laughs> hey, what if you guys did Silence of the Lambs? And I was like, shut up. <laughs> Every week I'm like, Silence of the Lambs though. Hey, but what about Silence what about of the Lambs? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, we're going to watch oh, Idle so Hands. Funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> before, before you had like 
real say in this pod. And now it's like Kate. <laughs> Before I was Patreon. Kate, yeah. let go of the cult classic campy <laughs> horror movie. Let go of it. Let it go. I was so annoying. I would like text Kate after I listened to the podcast. I'd be like, um, you got this wrong. And what about this? And did you guys think about this? You sure fucking did. <laughs> Kate was like, I don't fucking care. It's 4 a.m. <laughs> and we're both in treatment together. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, I'm literally like, Kate, um, what about this episode? <laughs> That's great. Can you help me lift up this like neurologic dog in the treatment area? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> vet school life <laughs> oh love it I, love I just it. love that you're like a co-host that's fucking crazy i know well i mean we've been bffs forever so not really ariana <laughs> not really you just like sat behind me and i was like she's cool i like her <laughs> kate makes obscure quotes and i laugh that's yeah like we would, you would just friendship. say something i'd be like i like you <laughs> And I assume You're vice kind of versa. mean, but in a funny way. <laughs> I assume vice versa, but I can't say for uh, sure. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely, Kate. <laughs> Obviously. We went to, where did we go? In Florida. Some piece of shit place. Um, oh. Daytona. Daytona. <laughs> when we went to Daytona. Uh, yeah. No offense if you live in Daytona. Obviously, I'm from Florida. I just think Florida's a piece of shit. But yeah, me well, and Kate went there I can't say together that. during vet school, and it was amazing it was a bonding experience it was definitely we navigated florida roads with me driving so yeah it was that's where we became friends and here we are talking about silence of the lambs full circle baby (laughs) full circle full circle i'm excited to talk about this plot i'm excited for the club members who have not seen this movie first of all y'all crazy second of all yeah buckle up this movie's nuts yeah this movie's crazy it's got everything if you like psychological horror if you like slasher horror Toxic masculinity horror. Toxic masculinity yeah. horror. Everything. It's called feminist horror is what it is. Feminist horror. <laughs> what it, yeah. you, bug horror. Bug horror? Yeah. Some people don't like bugs. Oh, the moth. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Moth. There's a few of them. There's a moth. Yeah. There's a moth in a throat. Yes, there is. It's pretty gross. Okay. All right. We'll start. Are you ready to start? I was born ready. I'm ready. So the movie opens on an FBI agent in training, um, Jodie Foster, a.k.a. Clarice Starling. And she's getting called away from her obstacle course to speak (laughs) with one of her professors in his office. (laughs) What? Nothing. I'm just like... She, they called her away from her her morning obstacle course. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do when yeah. you're an FBI yeah, agent. No. I'm sure it's like very rigorous training, but it's like, hey, can get away from the tires. You're needed. Get away from the jungle gym. Yeah, get away get from off the, the, the monkey bars. <laughs> so she goes to his office and she notices that there's newspaper articles about a recent serial killer on the wall. Um, and they call Jack him. Jack Crawford's office, right? Yeah. yeah. Her professor. Yes. Yeah. The head of the behavior science unit. Yes, exactly. So she goes into his office and they see a bunch of newspaper clippings about a recent serial killer named Buffalo Bill, um, which I don't know if you caught this, but they call him that because he skins his humps. Yeah, gross. Which I'm like, I don't really understand because he's not having sex with them. I don't Is think... Is that the joke? Yeah, I think that's the joke. But they don't care. It's They said it's from a poem. I looked up the poem. It doesn't make sense to me. So Okay, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I just kind of discard that part of the movie. Okay. I don't really get it. They were like, this guy needs a name. Let's call him Buffalo Bill. It's a great name. Don't get me wrong. But like he does not yeah. have sexual relations or rape them or anything like that. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, so Jack Crawford, um, her professor, asked her to interview an incarcerated serial killer who's a psychiatrist, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Dun, dun. And Starling suspects this interview is somehow going to help catch Buffalo Bill. She's fucking smart. Yeah. So Starling pays a visit to Baltimore State Hospital for the criminally insane, and she meets the guy overseeing Lecter's care, a man named Dr. Chilton, and he's that gross asshole guy. Yeah. I don't like but he him. He basically makes an attempt to ask her out like immediately. And she politely declines. And basically he's an asshole to her for the rest of the scene and the rest of the movie. Basically he's just not a good guy. Yeah. He, he mentions like after, after he, he's like, Hey, you're going to be in Baltimore a long time. I can show you around. And she's like, I got to get back to the FBI in Quantico, bro. Yeah. And then he becomes a dick. He makes another, but she does it so much nicer than that though. Yeah. And he's yeah. still a dick. Yeah. She's really polite. There's no winning. She, no, there's no winning if you're a woman. Yeah. And then he's like, he continues to make comments and is like, oh, I get why, you know, Jack Crawford sent you a pretty young thing. Yeah. You know, know. Lecter hasn't seen a woman in years. He's going to love that. He basically just undermines her authority. Yeah. She, and she says, I went to UVA. It's not exactly a charm school. Yeah. And he goes, fine, then you'll know the rules. Like, he gets all butthurt. Yeah, of course. Like, no, fuck yeah, you. She's obviously. not here because she's pretty. She's here because she's a badass. Get out of her way. Yeah, of course, though. This is literally why I said it's toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it's just annoying the whole time. People die because of his toxic masculinity. Yep. Uh-huh. Quite a few. This is true, but he gets his. Yeah, he does. She's told not to give Lecter anything sharp or anything, tell her, tell him anything about her personal life mm-hmm. because he's very smart and will attempt to use the info against her in any way. Mm-hmm. He is insanely creepy and he never blinks and he talks really slow and he is really unhelpful at first. So she kind of starts to leave. And on the way out, one of the other inmates is masturbating and flicks uh, semen at her. And it's gross. It gets on her. And this makes Hannibal Lecter angry, I guess, because he thought it was rude. It's rude. So he... Gives her a small lead. He tells her to look into one of his old patients named Miss Moffat. Mm-hmm. So this info leads her to a storage facility that contains a lot of creepy shit. Yeah. She finds a decapitated head preserved in a jar. She returns to Hannibal Lecter, who reveals that this man was somehow linked to Buffalo Bill. That scene reminded me of you, by the way. <laughs> what scene? The scene where he's like, go, Miss Moffat blah, 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 go. And she's, and she like takes that tiny morsel of information, finds a storage unit, least under that name in his home in Baltimore. And the door is jammed. And it's just like this old man person who owns the storage (laughs) unit. He's like a really creepy old man. He's just this old, he's like, I don't know. It's been paid up for 10 years. And then the door, he's like, She's like jamming open the door. She's got no help from this guy. There's like a big hunky driver for the old man. And he's like, he doesn't like physical labor. And she's like, like yanking open this garage door. (laughs) And it goes open like an inch with the help of like a car jack. And she's just, she's like preparing herself to shimmy underneath it. And she's like, yeah, if this door falls on me or like if anything else happens, like here's the number to the local <laughs> FBI, like uh, have them come get call me. Call this person. Yeah, call them. Yeah. And then she like shimmies her little way underneath and the door. Like, Bye. I was like, Ariana <laughs> yeah. would do that shit. I would have been like, no. 
I did identify with that scene. <laughs> you did, didn't you? Yeah. I was like, that's the Mariana shit right there. <laughs> Just like, if I die, I die. What are you going to do? See, I feel like I'm brave. And then I see scenes like that. And I'm like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have my wasp spray with me. I think I would. Here's the thing. I would do that, but not because I'm brave, because I'm small. Oh, get under the door, you mean? I could just get under that door. Yeah. We'd be like, we need someone small. And then we'd all look at Kate and she'd be like, all right. All right. <laughs> Body rolls underneath it. <laughs> yeah. See, I really should apply for the FBI. Am I was going to say, small. Kate's small, so she needs to apply. Am small, too empathetic, <laughs> thin-skinned. Cover letter for the FBI. Cannot run. <laughs> Don't ask me to run, though. <laughs> Sorry. You were talking about Miss Moffat. Miss Moffat, yes. She returns to Lecter and he reveals that this man was somehow linked to Buffalo Bill. He agrees to help her profile Buffalo Bill in exchange for his being transferred to a new facility because he wants to be away from Dr. Chilton, the asshole guy. Who sucks. Who's in charge of him. And he also wants a room with a view. Yeah, he's been in this room that's like... It's really sad. But also he killed a bunch of people, so... Yeah, I'm like, I don't... I want to feel bad for you, but I don't. It's like... To, to pass him anything, you have this big drawer, this big metal drawer that is from one end to the other. And then you have these big glass, impenetrable glass walls with air holes. All of the other walls are like concrete bricks. There's no window because he, he draws. He draws very well. And he has all these drawings, paintings all over the walls. And he says that's what he has instead of windows. And if you think about it, it's like, yeah, you have like a very active mind that must drive you fucking insane. Yeah. That's what I was thinking because he's not just a traditional, you know, serial killer that's just, you know, crazy. I mean, he's so In smart. his head. Yeah, he's not just right. floating in his head. He's very, yeah. very brilliant. And one thing I will say is I looked up because I asked because one thing that Jodie Foster was very adamant about in this role is she didn't want the FBI to come across as foolish because in one of the other director's movies, the FBI, it was like a comedy, but the FBI were played as like kind of like a joke and she's like I don't want that to be the vibe of this movie I want the FBI to be treated very respectfully and yeah. she approached the director about that oh. which I thought was like super super neat yeah and and I think it comes across in how she plays this character she's like very very matter of fact very very logical very respectful yeah and I think it makes a difference in how I'm viewing the FBI as a viewer no I agree completely yeah it's not a lot of, you know, emotions. It is a lot of intellectual. Intellect, yeah. Okay, so meanwhile, another Buffalo Bill victim is discovered. They're doing an autopsy. The victim is found to be partially skinned on her back post-mortem. She's got these big diamonds out of her back. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Mm -hmm. She's also found to have a specific moth in her throat, and the moth is a death's head moth. Mm-hmm. And this moth is specifically an Asian moth, and it looks like it has a skull on its back. Yeah. Did you happen to find what this skull is actually, or even Google what a real Asian, you know, a real Asian death's head moth looks like and how it's different? I know what they look like. 
I know that they can smell like bees, and so they can get into a bee's hive. Oh, weird. And take their honey. That's mean. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, they're not nice. And also moths. So as a fa- from a fa- I'm from a family of beekeepers, and moths are bad. Moths are bad for our beehives. And so Aww. this is like a super yeah. bad moth that, like, is very fond of honey, and it comes, it can mask its scent so it smells like bees, and then it can just enter the hive unharmed and then just take the honey. And its tongue is really strong, so it can, like, pierce wax cells, you know, like the cells of the hive. Ew. And it can just take the honey out. So that's that's what I know about the death's head moth. The bees are like, well, it's either you or the human that takes it, so. Yeah, I, meanwhile, I'm getting stung for wearing black <laughs> pants. I'm like, this is bullshit. Getting stung through your pants. Yeah. Absolute bull. My dad's like, they don't like black pants. I'm like, well, this is bullshit. This is not fair. <laughs> You'll only get stung three times instead of 30 times. Yeah, I'm trying to help you and this bitch is like sucking out your honey and you're like, okay. No, I don't know much else beyond that. (laughs) They're honey stealers. Well, if you Google it, it's actually really, really cool. So it does have a skull looking figure on its like um, dorsal thorax. (laughs) Do you have to like cut off a piece of the... No, that was only because it was a pupa. It was in a pupa. That's right. No, the adult moth looks like it has a skull on its back, but this specific skull that is on the moth that they use does not look like the skull that's on a real moth. And it's because they created this skull. This is so cool from a piece of artwork and it's Salvador Dali's image called In Voluptas Mors, which is seven naked women posing in the shape of a human skull. Oh my God, yes! the coolest thing ever. But that skull is the skull they put on the moth. Oh my God, that's really cool. It's so cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's like a weird looking skull. It doesn't look like a real, like it definitely looks weird. And then when you look at Salvador Dali's painting, you can tell it's the skull that he created. Ariana, this is why I keep you around. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you got the facts. You got the research. It's so cool. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's a cool painting too. You should look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly what painting you're talking about where it's like all the bodies curved together to make that skull. Yeah. Because I love Salvador Dali and I I don't love moths Mm -hmm. because they take all of our honey. (laughs) Those bitches. Oh, also fun fact. The moth pupa in the movie was made from Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears. It's always Tootsie Rolls, isn't it? I think it's because it's probably easy to shape and then looks hard when it's done. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. basically, because the actress who played the victim was alive, obviously, not a prop or a dead body. So she actually had something deep behind her throat that they wanted to make sure she didn't swallow accidentally and if she did it wouldn't be a big deal oh my god yeah she because because i noticed the actress was alive whenever they were doing this um necropsy or autopsy scene because her jaw like the way her jaw moved it was like eh, that's a little yeah. loose that's no not enough rigor mortis which is fine if you don't look at dead animals as much as you and i do guys we're vets in case you haven't heard don't call <laughs> anyone we do this for a living we went to school for it yes <laughs> but i remember that whole scene i was like she seems really limp and it was because it was an actress so i but i didn't put together that it was a pupa that they pulled out of an actress yeah give her yeah. a raise i don't know how much you're paying her pay her more i know i know it's cool i guess if you really watch the scene like they make the 
forceps look like they're going in deeper than they probably are. Prob- so it's she probably, probably in her just mouth. held it in the back of her throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back of her yeah, mouth. Yeah, but still, I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> I don't know how much she got paid, but Not enough. good for her. Good for her. Yeah. So the next scene is Buffalo Bill abducting a woman, Catherine Martin, who Catherine Martin. is, I don't think he knew this, but he didn't. she's coincidentally the daughter of a senator. I think it was a random abduction and stalking situation. Maybe he knew. I don't know why he would abduct a senator's daughter. I think she fit the profile that he wanted, which he wanted plus size women. Plus size yes. white women, it seems like. Right. He wanted to have a bunch of plus size white women. And this was a plus size white woman who he had stalked. I do not think that he knew that she was the daughter of a U.S. senator. Yeah. Coincidentally. So we already talked about how he abducts her. Yeah. Pretends to be hurt, pushes her into a van while she's actually being nice and trying to help him with a couch. Don't do that. So terrible. Don't help men ever. Don't look for lost puppies and just don't help men. (laughs) Don't help men. Starling offers Lecter a fake deal and says that the senator has agreed to allow him to move facilities if he helps them find Buffalo Bill. Yeah, it's like you'll live on this island. It's Plum Island, which is a real place. Yeah. Plum Island is real because I did, I used to do a lot of um, biomedical research in animals. So Plum Island is real and they don't have a prison there that I know of, but they're like, yeah, you're going to be at this biomedical research facility. One day of year you get to go out on the beach under SWAT surveillance but you do have a room with a window and uh it's just believable enough that I I bought it on first yeah, viewing that's that. where they do anthrax research yeah apparently. it is it is Plum Islands that's where they do a lot of research like that mm-hmm. and yeah. he takes the deal I think but yeah it's it's really sad because up to this point He's kind of trusted her and it does kind of suck that she had to like offer this when it wasn't real and kind of Ariana, betray he, his he trust. He skins people and eats them. I'm just saying that if she's trying to gain his trust, it sucks that she has to play this card to try to get information faster. He's really not playing along. He's not, but he is he is enticed by this deal. He is. Very. Uh, but he also decides to help her but asks for personal information in exchange for info about Buffalo Bill. So he's going to help her, you know, figure out who Buffalo Bill is. Like at this point, the audience is like, does he know Buffalo Bill personally or is he just going to help her, you know, identify what kind of killer he is so that she can find him easier or whatever? Or is he just toying with her? Yeah, I think he just... You don't know. Yeah, I think he's toying with her. Maybe he finds it entertaining. Maybe he's bored. Who knows? But... This is where we learn... Quid pro quo, Clarice. Yeah. Quid pro quo. This is where we learn that Starling's dad died when she was 10. um, And so she had to go live with her cousins who lived on a ranch. Mm -hmm. And one morning she heard them slaughtering baby lambs and it fucked with her. So she tried to save them and run away, but she failed. So sad. And this is obviously where we get the title of the movie from the silence of the lambs like she couldn't save them because she yeah she she lived she her dad died she didn't have a mom she was then then um absorbed by uh, an aunt and an uncle who were good to her but who owned a farm a sheep farm sheep and pig i think yeah and she would hear the lambs screaming early in the morning which ariana i don't know if you've ever heard animals at a slaughter plant. Have you heard that? No, I've heard pigs scream, but not. Well, pigs any will scream for fucking anything. 
Uh, pig screams are the worst. They sound like literal dinosaurs. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I remember whenever we were in vet school, we would have to, whenever we went into for our pig labs, they would give us earplugs and I shoved those as deep as I could. They legitimately sound like what the T-Rexes sound like in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like it's yeah. loud and it's like a, just a guttural scream. It's so loud. But they're not even, they're not even like being hurt. They're just like, you know. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm trying to catch it to collect blood. I'm trying to snare it and it screams and I let go. And my teacher was like, that's why it screamed. And I'm like, you're right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. The They're large like, animal people were such screamed. trolls. I, know. I love it. I know. I'm like, I'm not farm animal vet. I'm a small animal vet. I'm not ready for this. Oh, God. I'm sure they're sick of all of us. But she, yeah. Oh, they definitely are. But yeah, she grew up on this farm. And she heard the lambs screaming and she saw that they were all being slaughtered. The spring lambs were being slaughtered and she grabbed one and she tried to carry it, but it was really heavy and she was young and she got two miles. I think she said like she really mm -hmm. tried to run before the sheriff picked her up. So that that's a lot like that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And this is also like only a couple months after her dad died and her yeah. mom died when she was even younger than that. So Obviously, this is just like a culmination of like all of her trauma. And it's really sad. It's really sad. But it yeah. works because she plays the game. She plays the quid pro quo. And so, he, you know, she gave him information. He's going to give her information. So he gives her clues about Buffalo Bill. He says, what does he say? Or does he just agree to a deal at this point? He had agreed to the deal already, I think. To meet with the senator. Um, no. So the senator deal had not been set up yet. He was not going to meet with her until Dr. Chilton, who's listening to their conversation. Fucking Dr. Chilton. Yeah. He overhears everything. He hears what Lecter tells her um, about, you know, about Buffalo Bill. Plum Island. And, yeah. Yeah. And so he kind of fact checks Starling's offer and finds that it's fake. And so that's when Dr. Chilton sets up his own thing with the senator. So he calls the senator and he's like, do you know about the steal? And she's like, no. And he was like, okay, well, let me set up a, a new deal with you and we'll get Hannibal Lecter to figure this out for you and meet up with you and tell you everything he knows in exchange for him moving to Tennessee. And she says, okay. And then I get to be in the papers and I'm the hero because yeah. I have a big ass ego. So his ego. motivation is to get attention. Ego. It's yeah. all ego. Yeah. Fucking ooh. Yeah, he's the worst character. He's the real... He's the real deal. He's the real movie. villain. He's number one on the yeah. AFI chart. It's Dr. Chilton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Lecter gives this, he, he gets on a plane, they move him, he finally meets the senator face to face. In Memphis, by the way, it just freaks me out how much this movie is like set around places that I lived. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's all like the all South Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, it is. It's like the yeah. Southeast. And so it's like Philly, Philadelphia, West Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia. And then well, they never involve, it's never Philly, it's Pittsburgh. But it's set in Virginia and West Virginia. So, like, that's right there. <laughs> that's, like, where we are. Yeah. Is Virginia. And then they were, like, in Memphis. And, like, I'm, like, from that area. And so I'm, like, oh, shit. Because normally movies are in, like, California and Texas. That's what I was going to say. New York. Yeah. It's cool that it's a different place. It, it's cool that it's a different place. It's more relatable to most, to more, to dip to more people. So I just, I don't know. Even though it's Hannibal Lecter touching down in Memphis, I'm like, yay. <laughs> yay, I've been there. I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. 
It's just, a, it's refreshing to have a different setting. That's all. No, I agree completely. I was thinking about that when I was watching this. I was like, wow, this isn't in California or New York. Thank you. Or Texas. Yeah. So Lecter gives the senator and Dr. Chilton this name, Lewis Friend, which Starling figures out is actually an anagram for iron sulfide, which is the name for fool's gold. Mm -hmm. So she figures out that it's fake. And so she goes back to him. Because she's fucking smart. Yeah, and no one else figures it out, but she does. Um, but she also had figured out that Miss Moffat was an anagram as well. So I think she like knew this guy liked anagrams. Here's the thing. If I was an FBI agent, I worry that I would immediately be looking for anagrams in everything. Because <laughs> like, I'm used to like Nancy Drew level puzzles. So I'd be like, this is clearly a detective clue. And I just need to move the letters yeah. around. And then yeah. I'll solve the killer. <laughs> or like the shape on a map. I feel like that's such a common thing. It's like they're mapping out where everything was found. Oh, and yeah. it's always like, oh, it makes a shape. <laughs> it makes so much sense if you put it on a map. And I'm like, I don't see yeah. anything. Did you try putting it on Did the you map? put it on the map? <laughs> I would be a terrible FBI agent. But to be absolutely clear, I did look up the requirements and I did almost apply. But I didn't. That's how much Clarice Starling influenced me. <laughs> I was like, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> I think I could do it. Oh, Maybe you not could the totally, physical part. You though. would be damaged. <laughs> like, you would be so fucked up. You'd be an excellent agent, though. I was going to say, I, it would be really, really hard. Like, the emotional side of things. Because I can barely handle my job now, which is, like, a pretty emotional job. Yeah. It's, like, really weighing on me. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy. It's a heavy job. Yeah. But this yeah. one... I, I could do the obstacle course. Could I, like, look at a jar of head and then just move on trying to figure out the next anagram? I'd like to think so, but I just, if I'm being honest like with myself, so. <laughs> I don't know that I could. So she goes to him in Tennessee. He's, like, in a courthouse being housed in, He's like... He's in the Memphis courthouse. Uh, yeah, in a cage in Tennessee. And... He, she tries to talk to him more. He doesn't really help her. He says everything she needs is in the case file. And as she's being escorted out, Lecter decides to plan his escape, which is the coolest escape ever. And I'm going to talk a lot about it because I think it's the coolest fucking thing. It is the coolest ever. fucking thing. <laughs> he touches her hand, though. He does. It creeps her out. Well, it, sh it fucking should. But the way he touches it is a tender touch where he's like, hey, yeah, but it's hey, not you meant to be tender. No, it's not a good touch. It's a bad touch. Yeah. It's a bad... If it's from a serial cannibalist, it's a bad touch. Yeah. But he's like, yeah. you forgot your drawings. Case file. Your case file. Yeah, not drawing. Because he's over there drawing her holding a lamb. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like he's sketching her in like a... Like she's the Virgin Mary, but she's like holding a lamb. <laughs> it's so Red weird. flag number 8,000. Yeah. <laughs> he's a 10, but he draws he's you a holding a lamb. He's a 10, but he keeps sketching you with lambs. Hmm. Mm, okay. Mm, it's a seven for me. It's a seven. It's a seven. Okay, so this is the coolest escape ever. I love it. I also love that the office referenced it. Obviously. Obviously. Guys, if you're new to this show, Ariana won't stop talking about the office. And there's nothing I we can do to, to stop it. We have to bring it up it. in every episode. There's nothing I can do. It's out of it's my control. So and you're just going to have you're going to have to deal with it just like I have to deal with it. But if there was if there was ever a time to reference the office, this is the time to reference. This is the time. This is the time. This is the movie. This is the time. 
That is the best cold open of the office. Oh, it's so good. Okay, okay. So he steals a piece of a pen from Dr. Chilton during his jail transfer, which he uses to get out of his handcuffs. And then he attacks the two, two police officers that are watching him. The police officers downstairs, because he has like a whole team of people, mm-hmm. hear gunshots and they take the elevator to his floor. There are no cameras. There are no cameras in this whole building. It's 1991. So y'all just have to deal with that. That's a good point. Where the fuck are the cameras? It's 1991. Yeah. So stupid. Cameras are expensive. Yeah, that's very true. So they get there. They find one of the coolest scenes. They find the coolest scene. I one think. of the police officers strung up in the jail cell, like with his arms spread. I think he made like the bed sheets into rope or something and strung him up and then disemboweled him. So his guts are just like hanging out. Like an angel, like a, like a drawn out angel. Yeah. And the lighting's really weird. I don't know. It's great. But they find another body on the floor and no Hannibal Lecter. Officer Pembry. They're looking everywhere for Hannibal Lecter. They end up going back into the elevator with officer Pembry on a stretcher Mm -hmm. and they're getting dripped on like there's blood dripping from the ceiling of the elevator and so they're like oh fuck there's something on the top of the elevator so they like do this maneuver where they are able to look at the top of the elevator from the floor above and they see like a face down body they use a mirror yeah they use a mirror to look down so they don't have to like put their head out there and they see that the body is face down um and they don't know if the body's alive or dead. So they shoot the leg. The body doesn't move. So they're like, okay, it's a dead body. Mm-hmm. Then they open the ceiling part compartment of the elevator and the body partially falls down and they see that this is a body where the face was removed. And they realize that the body that they found next to the disemboweled policeman must have actually been Hannibal Lecter wearing the face of this police officer that he skinned. So he skins Dr. Uh, Officer Pembry. Yep. And then wears his face and acts like he's doctor. And he like changes his clothes and he's just like laying on the ground pretending to be this um, dying or whatever. Fucking brilliant. Police officer. Yeah. Fucking and so brilliant. They don't realize this until he's in the ambulance and he kills everybody in the ambulance and then escapes. And now he's free. It's Oops. the coolest thing ever. Oops. Oops. And I don't know what they could have done better. I really don't. Other than no, they did really well. Chilton fucked it all up by leaving a pen. Why would you bring a pen into... He's literally the one who told her not to bring... Yeah. Because so Ego. And he's... Yeah. Dr. Chilton, who is the head of the jail, is the reason that all those people are dead and Hannibal Lecter is loose. Yeah. Well... He gets his. <laughs> he get, he, he does it. get his. But immediately, Jodie Foster's friend is like, you need to go into hiding. Like, this is bad. And Jodie Foster yeah. is entire, like, he, she's upset. She's like, that's bad. But she's not bothered. She's like, no, yeah. he's not. Like, I'm safe. I'm not worried about me. Don't worry about me. <laughs> We're friends. She knows him well enough to know who he's going for. Correct. And it's yeah. not. What did he, who did he say his nemesis was? It wasn't her. It was Dr. Yep. Chilton. Yep. So Dr. Chilton is shitting himself right now. But we don't have time for that. We got to move on. Buffalo Bill is still at large. <laughs> so Starling, Starling makes Buffalo Bill a priority, which is fair. She studies his case file and uses Hannibal Lecter's clues to discover that Buffalo Bill must have known his first victim. Mm-hmm. And so she travels to the victim's um, hometown in Ohio 
And she's like looking around her home and she discovers that Buffalo Bill and his victim were both tailors. And she figures out that he's using his victims to create a bodysuit out of women's skins. Yeah, that's a big deal. So Starling calls her boss who says that they actually already figured that out and are currently on their way to his house in Illinois to arrest him, Buffalo Mm -hmm. Bill. Mm -hmm. And he tells Starling to get more information about this victim while they're making the arrest. And so she agrees to do that. So she's going to the next door or, you know, just a few houses down to interview an older lady who knew the victim. And she finds actually a middle-aged man who identifies himself as Jack Gordon living in the house instead. Mm -hmm. So she discovers that this man is the guy that they're looking for when she sees the death head moth flying loose in his house. So this is where we pause. This is where we finally talk about that scene, you guys. It's time to talk about that scene. And if you've seen the movie, you know what scene I'm talking about. It is the most disturbing, the most provocative scene that happens in this movie. It is oh, where... Oh, that happens right before she comes in, Correct. Right? It is yeah. where um, Ted Levine, so Jamie Gum, Buffalo Bill, he has... You get to see this huge fantasy room that he has created. He's videotaping himself putting on makeup, wearing a scalped wig... Oh, my God, I forgot about the scalped wig. Oh, I didn't. And it's all shot in this tight, low-angle close-up. And he's wearing a kimono. And he's, like, very vigorously applying mascara. And he's looking right at the camera. And he's saying, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me but like hard. With the lowest, creepiest voice that's ever existed. Would, would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd fuck me. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. And then you get Goodbye Fucking Horses. Stay tuned yeah. for the outro, you guys. Such an awesome, creepy song. Which is an obscure song. It's a great song, honestly. I really like it. And it's yeah. from another It's from another movie that the director had used in uh, Married to the Mob, which was the movie that Jamie... Um, I'm not, not Jamie. I'm getting Jamie Gum mixed up with Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster... <laughs> had seen that movie and it, it didn't portray the FBI in a great light and was like, hey, I want this to portray the FBI in a good light. But he had used Goodbye Horses before, which is hilarious to me. And since that, since Silence of the Lambs, Goodbye Horses is like this cult hit just because of this one <laughs> scene. Because this scene is incredible, you guys. So yeah. he's like, he he pulls his kimono open. He's got this pierced nipple. He's got these body tattoos. And then after he applies his makeup, he, he tucks his penis and does this crazy dance in front of the camera with these like stretchy out movements. And it's this <laughs> incredible scene. It's incredible. And it, it really, really explains the motivations of the killer where it's like he it's exactly what we said he's he wants to be this woman he wants to be this female godhead he wants this power but he doesn't he isn't a woman he's not a transsexual he's just a little bit crazy he just wants to be anything that's not him and he wants this feminine power but that's not what people remember (laughs) Yeah. People remember 
him just dancing with his penis stuck between his legs and they're like transsexuals are evil so like mm, and even the 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 writer of the book the author of the book is like yeah i guess there aren't that many positive depictions of gay people in media oh yeah oops so like i'm just saying if this movie had come out 30 years ago i think it would be fine or 30 years from now i think we'd be good right but in 1991 that's a tough hit for the lgbt community is all i'm saying i agree I honestly, I didn't realize that there was a, I guess in the spiel that he goes on when he's trying to explain that he's not a transsexual, he basically just says he wants to be someone different. Mm -hmm, Like he wants mm -hmm. to be anyone different. I honestly thought it was completely independent of like the feminine energy. Like, I guess I didn't realize that. And I know that Ted Levine said that, but I don't really... I mean, I don't know if there's any evidence of that in the movie, unless you disagree. I think that, well, his neighbor is the first victim, and he coveted his neighbor. He took those photos of his neighbor, all posed and yeah, cute right. in, in her little underwear. So I think mm-hmm. that that's probably mm-hmm. what sparked it, is he's like, I want to be her. I don't want to be me. Mm. I want to be her. Okay. And so he goes after women like her. Gotcha. And then he's like, okay. oh, I can make a skin suit, and I can be her. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess if it wasn't about women, it would have been anyone, not just women victims. Yes, exactly. And they tried it a couple of different ways. So one of the ways that they had tried... So first of all, that scene wasn't in the screenplay. So there were very few changes to the screenplay when it was written. They pretty much like had the screenplay, got a director on board, and then made the movie. But this scene wasn't in the screenplay, but it was in the book. And Ted Levine, the actor who plays Buffalo Bill, insisted. He's like, well, this needs to be in the movie. Thank God he insisted. Because I think it says a lot about that character and his motivations. And they had shot a couple of different options. They had shot one that was a little bit raunchier and sexier. but Oh, really? Yeah. But then they wanted to use Goodbye Horses. And they're like, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Yeah. That's a little bit of a gentler song. And so instead of going for this like raunchy style, Ted Levine went for this like Glitter rock, Iggy pop. He, yeah. he describes it as David Bowie if David Bowie hadn't yeah. become David Bowie, which like, damn, that's ex- yeah. if that's what you were going for. You nailed it. Yeah. This guy who has, he, he, he imagines himself with this like feminine power, this spiritual power, this androgyny that makes him attractive to men and women, approachable to men and women. And profilers, serial killer profiles, profilers have said that serial killers tend to pursue this sort of feminine energy, this feminine persona. And so it, it makes sense in this fictional, very, very, very fictional way that to have this masculinity and feminine, femininity wrapped up into someone that's this, that makes them this perfect, powerful goddess type. And I want mm. to say one thing real fast, which is that. FBI profilers have profiled this fictional Buffalo Bill, and that's not a standard profile. They have no other serial killers who match that. That's not real. So this is a fictional character, and I don't want it to represent the trans community in a negative light. So I just, if you're trans and you're listening to this, please understand that the FBI are not (laughs) looking for trans people, and this is not a real person. Yeah. I think that is totally fair. They legitimately say, like, there's a line where they say trans people are passive. Like, this is very abnormal. 
I think it does suck, though, that it's such a small part of the movie that they don't go into it more. And also that people are already having these thoughts without mm-hmm. knowing any better. They're not FBI profilers. They don't know any better. They mm-hmm. just make assumptions and it sucks. Yeah. What? What? I'm sorry. What did you remember from this movie? Did you remember that line where they said he's not a real transsexual? Or did you remember this scene? Literally the scene. The scene. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yes. So, it scars you. But like in a good way after you've seen it many times. <laughs> yeah. So like I, as someone who understands the trans community, I have never <laughs> seen Buffalo Bill as a threat. You know what I mean? Like he's a fictional character, but it, it matters. Yeah. It matters. And I think that it, like whenever the author of the book is like, you're right, there aren't positive gay characters in movies there's a tremendous and he he's quite i have a quote he says there is a tremendous absence of positive gay characters in movies it's like yep and that's not his fault you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's society's fault but i'm just saying if 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 you take umbrage with this scene in this movie i'm not gonna fault you for it i personally can take this as pure fiction yeah, it's it's because it's so it's so fictional to me that I can take it and I can enjoy it and I can enjoy Ted Levine's yeah. performance and I can enjoy Buffalo Bill as a hunted character and I can enjoy Anthony Hopkins and I can enjoy all of it. But I don't blame people who can't. Yeah, I think it's funny that you said he advocated for this scene to be in this movie when like everything that me and you have scene it's like he had to drink tequila before doing this like it definitely made him really nervous which is fair obviously but it's just funny that he was like this is super important yeah but I'm also gonna have trouble doing it yeah I think it is super important I think that this movie would have been a uh different I think I think it would not have been as good without the scene I agree that's a controversial opinion no I agree but I think that this scene is iconic and gorgeous I agree I mean it's if anything at its bare minimum it's throws you off because you're not expecting a terrible murderer serial killer to have that vibe and maybe that's a good thing but you're just like wait what like this guy's like like, putting on cream eyeshadow as a girl is in his basement trying to screaming screaming trying to catch his toy poodle with a bucket and hold it hostage that's the scene it's an ins- yeah. It is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a, in a movie. It's iconic. Yeah. I hate what how how it affected trans people. I do hate that. I really, really do. But yeah. as if you are an advocate, and if you can see this as fiction, I think that this is an this is a tremendously powerful scene. And I'm glad that Ted Levine advocated for it to be in the movie. I really am. Yeah, it definitely rounds him out as a character. I feel like I would be confused without this scene. I, about who he is. Yeah, I would. I I will never listen to Goodbye Horses the same. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a great again. song. It is. It's a great song. But please continue. I just I had to like wax poetic about tell this us scene. more. <laughs> I had yeah, to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so she finds out that this is the guy they're looking for. So she pulls a gun on him. He runs into the basement. She follows him. She finds Catherine Martin and a hole in his basement and leaves her yeah it's hilarious because she finds her she's like 
I'm the FBI. There's more people coming. I have to go and find this guy. <laughs> and Catherine Martin's like, don't leave, you fucking bitch. Get me out of here. She's like, no. Which is so fair. But at the same time, it's like, she's trying to help you. Chill. No, I would not be chill. For the record. Like, for the record, if an FBI agent well, she's was losing like, I'll be it right also, the guy doesn't know where the FBI agent is. And if you're talking yeah, to he her, does. you're cluing him into where she is. Like, just chill. Don't talk so that this girl can, like, plan how she's going to help you. She's been in a basement for, like, a long time, <laughs> putting lotion on her skin. Exactly. And your drive to get out of the basement should be enough for you to be like, okay, this is what I need to do right now. I need to shut the fuck up. I don't know that I could do that. I think I, I think at this point, I would... I think, at, I think after the fifth rendition of Goodbye Horses... <laughs> Was he that, playing it on repeat? I, I think. I, oh yeah! Like my head canon is he's <laughs> playing that song exclusively, and I would have lost my goddamn mind. Oh god, yeah, you're right. That's what I hear Yikes. when I hear that song on Spotify because Michael Myers made me made me listen to it. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah. So he turns the lights out and he's stalking Starling using night vision goggles, which yeah. is super creepy. It adds a whole nother level of suspense, which I love. For sure. Because you can see her like staring into the darkness and freaking out. It's a great scene. Yeah. He reveals himself by cocking his gun and she hears it. So she just like starts shooting in that direction and shoots him dead in mm -hmm. the dark. I thought that was interesting. I thought the fact that he was kind of reckless meant a lot. Be and, and Ted Levine, I have direct quotes from him on this because he did a lot, as you can imagine, a lot of research into serial killers. A lot of serial killers want to be dead and want to die and have a bit of a death wish and will do these things, but whenever they become pursued, don't try that hard. So I think he hmm. toyed with her for just enough, but this is the guy that wants to be dead. Interesting. This is a guy that hates himself, does not like who he is, and wants to be dead. Yeah. Because it would have been very easy, very easy, to kill Clarice Starling in the dark yeah. when you have night vision goggles and a gun. It would have been very easy. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And, the, and, and, wow. and Ted Levine actually advocated, you know, I talked a little bit about how the guy who plays Jack Crawford, the guy who plays the FBI behavioral specialist guy, Scott Glenn, how he, you know, left his training or left Quantico with a different view on the on the death penalty because he had listened to these audio recordings of a 16-year-old girl being raped and tortured. And he was pro-death penalty after that. And alternatively, Ted Levine, after researching the serial killer, kind of explains these people want to die. So a death penalty doesn't deter them. Wow. And I would have to agree. I don't, and I'm not saying, you know, yay or no to death penalty, but I am saying that the death penalty does not deter people who are doing things like this. Even though this is fictional, he made a really good point. Yeah. Which I literally just read in an interview and blew my mind. Yeah. I knew that they would do things like where they'd want to get caught because like the idea of like basically trying to constantly avoid getting caught for so many years wears on them and they're like, whatever, I'll just get caught. So they like yeah. make stupid mistakes at the end. I've heard of that. And it does kind of make sense. I feel like people with mental illness or depression or whatever have this streak where they're like, whatever, fuck it. Like mm -hmm. I'll just 
Yeah, so that makes sense to me, I guess. He didn't have to let her in the house. Yeah, that's a good point. He didn't have to turn the lights off and hunt her. He could have shot her in the head, and he didn't. Yeah, he could have done a lot. You're right. He toyed with her for fun. I wonder, do you think he was on drugs at this point? Because I kind of feel like he might have been. Like, maybe that contributed to his poor judgment, because he definitely seemed like he was on something. I didn't think about it. I would have, if if that was the intent, I would have appreciated if the movie had just told me, but I do understand it was 1991 and they were pushing things (laughs) as they were. Like like the way he's dancing and like the fact that like when he opens the door, he's like rubbing his face on the door. I'm like, are you on ecstasy? Like what is the vibe here? Maybe he, 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 his movements are different. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I would, I would buy that. I don't know. That's just my thought. I would totally buy that. And I think that would illustrate my point further of he doesn't care, which is really sad. Maybe he was getting ready to kill her and he has to be stoned or... He didn't seem stoned when he was getting her, getting the girl in the basement. He seemed very aware. That seemed planned. Yeah. No, I'm saying like the scene where he's getting ready. I wonder if this was right before he was about to actually kill her. So he was like trying to numb himself with something. Maybe, but... He wasn't wearing makeup in the scene whenever Starling comes to the door. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess this was before this then. You're yeah, right. It was, it was before she came yeah. to the door. Huh. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't I know either. We'll know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the final scene is Starling becoming an agent. She's graduating. During her ceremony, she gets a call from who? Lecter. <gasps> Hannibal Lecter. He basically tells her that he, don't worry, I'm not coming after you. He says he's having an old friend for dinner, and it shows him in the Bahamas stalking Dr. Chilton, his asshole doctor, and he's presumably about to murder and eat him. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Like, 100%. Yeah. And that is The Silence of the That's Lambs. It. That's it. Good shit. <laughs> Love it. This is going to be tough to put on the scoreboard. Do you want to do critical reception? I do, but I, I feel like I already know what it is. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, are we doing Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm coming in too hot. I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to (laughs) say, I'm going to say like 92% critical and 93% audience. Whoa. So it's the same for both. Wait, really? And it's 95% critics (gasps) and 95% audience. Holy shit. Hey, I did pretty good, first of all. First of all, props (laughs) to me. Second of all, props to the movie. That's insane. I know. That's insane. Pretty good. (laughs) That is that is insane. That is insanely high. And can we all agree that this is a horror movie? I know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Do they not classify it as a horror movie? People call it a thriller. Okay. There's literally people getting their faces cut off. I agree. All right. For me, this is horror. But yeah. The fact that people like my mom are watching this movie voluntarily. Right. I don't know. I think it's just like if if the critical reception is high enough, it's a scam. But I do I think that <laughs> this deserved 95%? Yes. Yeah. Same. Which brings us to the next part <laughs> of our show, which is where we we personally rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10. And then we uh, argue about it. We bicker on the scoreboard. So, Ariana, give it to me. One, one out of ten. What are you giving this movie? Obviously, ten out of ten fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten fava 
beans. Oh, my heart. Yes. Yes, girl. Yeah. I'm assuming you also picked a 10, obviously. Honey, this is 10 out of 10 bathtubs full of viscera. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh, 10 out of 10. Let's just go to the scoreboard. Let's not waste time. Let's go let's to the chase. This is it. a top 10. This is a top 10 movie. I agree. So, I agree. At, at the bo- let's go from the bottom to the top. Yeah? Okay. Number 10. We've got The Exorcist. Then Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> oh, God. Poltergeist, American Werewolf in London, American Psycho, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Jennifer's Body, Haunting of Hill House, Ready or Not, and then The Thing. I would fight to the death for nine out of ten of these movies. (laughs) (laughs) What, you want this to be number nine? I want this to be number ten. You want Vampire's Kiss to be above Silence of the Lambs. You want American Werewolf in London. Yes, that one, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that one, yes, but not Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss is hilarious. and But this is uh, a horror okay, movie listen. club. Okay, fine. I want to put it number one. I want it to be on number one. But if you <gasps> don't want it to be that high, we can put it down there as long as it's above Vampire's Kiss. Because what the fuck? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm so sorry. You want this to be number one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> What? Heaven forbid. The thing is not moving. The thing is not moving. I get it. No, like, I want to be, like, I want to be open to your suggestions, but, like, no. Well, if you want it to be 10 and I want it to be 1, then we can put it, like, 5 or 6. This can go above Poltergeist. No. Okay. No, it can't. (laughs) It can't, though. I like Poltergeist. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Ariana. I don't know. What do you think? It, It can't be number 1. The thing is better. Okay, well, let's do five or six. What do you think? Five or six. We can do four, five, six, or seven. It's below Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. I think it's below American... Oh, shit. I don't know. I really don't know. American Psycho, which is... I think that... um, All right, American Psycho, Silence of the Lambs. I think that they are on the same playing field. I agree. I think that we should be able to say that one is better than the other. And right now, American Psycho is number six. Uh-huh. How do you feel? You want it to be number one. I want to put it number one. So I want it okay. above American Psycho. Okay. I will let it, it, it... Above American Psycho, I just... I cannot, if you accept these terms, I will let it be new number six. It will be in the top ten. It just can't be above Rocky Horror Picture Show. It just can't. Okay. Fine with me. So okay. it's a new number six? Yeah. Okay. All right. We finally bumped the exorcist out. I'm so happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> exorcist needs to be number one. I know. Uh, I know. Jesus Christ. I know. I know. Listen, I get it's an unpopular opinion. Unpopular. Unpopular. But I don't care. <laughs> number six. Great. New number six. Number six out of 81. So, you guys... I think that's pretty good. If you guys want to see our scoreboard, just go to nightlighthorrormovieclub.com backslash scoreboard or just go to nightlighthorrormovieclub.com. It's a sexy website. Ariana made it. It's really cute. (laughs) It's super cute. It's got our merch on it, which, as we have mentioned, is very soft. Very cute. Very soft merch. Very soft, very (laughs) cute. And, yeah, just go to our website. It's very, very cute. You have an opportunity to win a free sticker. And... If you liked this podcast, first of all, God bless you. God bless you. Second of all, yeah. Second of all, 
I hope that there's other people who also like it. So if you know other weirdos who want to join the club, please help them find it. Please rate us, review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That's usually where people go to find podcasts. We will really appreciate it. Um, those people who find us will appreciate it. Your friends will think you're really cool and you'll feel really good about yourself. So like, yeah, <laughs> just do it. Am I Amazing. right? You're right. I'm right. <laughs> also, every sweet email or review we get, we read them, we absorb them, we text each other about them. <laughs> so <laughs> it does make a difference. We At, at the end Sometimes of the day- Sometimes you read them on the episodes. Yes. Most of the time. Yeah, we'll read your <laughs> reviews as long as they're not one star. And at the end of the day, Even you're if making- they're one star. Yeah. You're, at the end of the day, you're making two overworked veterinarians very happy. So- <laughs> Do it. Just like review us, rate us, share us with your friends. That's all I want to say. And honestly, that's all I have to say about Silence of the Lambs. I'm looking at my seven page outline over here. Oh my God. I know. Jeez. Now you guys get to hear some goodbye horses. Oh my God. I hope you guys are ready for the vibes. (laughs) Let's let them hear it. If you guys want to review us, Please do drop us a line if you have a horror movie request. It's nightlighthorrormovieclub at gmail.com. We need requests for many episodes too. That's our bag. We love you. You're the best. We love our club. We love our roll call social media contest. That was amazing. (laughs) And we want more ideas. We want more input. So hit us up. But yeah, that's Silence of the Lambs. That's all I've got. Yes, me too. I don't have anything else. You know what to do, guys. You have to stay spoopy. Stay spoopy.